I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. To Cantobite Dispatch. Today I'm Brittany and joining me today, as always, is my friend Emily Lind. Hi Emily. Hi Brittany. How are you? How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm fine. How are you? I'm okay. I'm sleepy, but that's about it. I know I've I've been awake since like three this morning, so that's no good. That's been fun. I know. Like I I woke up and I'm like, well, I'm not going to go back to sleep. So I just uh, rewatched Rebels, did some homework, caught up on some podcasts, you know, the usual, usual fun stuff. How's your week been? Let's see. It was okay. Um, I went and saw Annihilation on Friday night. Ooh. How was that? That was really good. It was good. It was, I wish I had known, like, just how different from the book it was going to be because it was um the book is by jeff vandermeer and it's you know probably one of my my favorite books the past like 15 years and it's just they kept like the core concept and then just sort of did their own thing so they were just like i spent the whole moody movie movie like waiting for certain things to happen (laughs) that just were completely cut not like subplots Cause I, you know, I mean, subplots get exercised all the time, but like major plot points in the book where I'm like, okay, but they, they can't not do that. And then it's just not there. And I'm like, okay. So I almost, I liked it, but I almost have to see it again just because my expectations were so skewed going into it. Hmm. Yeah. But you know, it has, it has like, uh, it has a good cast. Oscar Isaac is in it. Um, Tessa Thompson. And it's just visually, it's crazy good. And scary. But just like the the visual effects were some of like the weirdest things I've ever seen. Hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing some scenes on, because I saw that um, Oscar Isaac was on Jimmy Kimmel. And he was talking about the movie a little bit, like how he would go from filming this to The Last Jedi and he would kind of do like back and forth. But yeah, sounds like an interesting movie. I didn't know it was a book until um, the news about the whitewashing came out. Yeah, that's I mean, that's definitely a problem. And uh, I mean, the way Natalie Portman handled it was uh, pretty bad ill-advised <laughs> it's just frustrating because it's frustrating because they did a really 
like a better job than usual in the diversity of the rest of the film. And so why they couldn't do that with their main character is so annoying because there's so much I want to praise this movie for in terms of having a multiracial cast, in terms of having a uh, uh, lead characters who are all women, um, in terms of having like queer characters who are, you know, not defined by their queerness, like women who aren't, women who are just talking to like women about things that aren't men. And so there's so much good stuff there. And then this really, really like major thing that they fucked up. Yeah. Like it's such a serious issue. And I remember hearing Natalie Parment talking about it and she did the, well, that's the first time I've heard of this. And it's like, Oh no. Well, it's bad. I mean, okay, look in, in the first, you could read the first book and not know that that character isn't white. But it, I would think if you are making a movie or going to be in a movie, you would read the book. There was that you would read all of the books, or at least you know do some research into it. Because, I mean, that's something that's, that's like, very much pointed out in the second book. And so I don't... It's such a shitty excuse. It is. I feel like she should have known better. Like, I, I thought that she was a smart woman. You know, she still probably is, but, you know, just a little setback. But still, like, you... Yeah, she should have known. Like, you know, worst case scenario is that she probably just read, like, the first book and not the second one. But, I mean, like, I would think that she would have. I would have thought the whole cast would have, you know, read the book or something, you know? Or books. Well, yeah. And also just like her comments afterwards, you know, being like, you know, I think it's something about it was such a weird like, oh, you know, in a, in a post Hamilton world where anybody should be able to play any character. I'm like, no, that no. Um, that's that's no. <laughs> I mean, not that way, because it's not like there aren't enough white people in movies. Ugh. <sighs> like using using Hamilton as an excuse to whitewash is um troubling. Oh, cringe. Oh, well. I mean, well you said you enjoyed the movie though, right? Just a little bit of a setback a little bit. Yeah, and it's not like I almost was I was sitting there being like I mean, should I even go see this movie? That's fair. But again, like again, there's stuff I really wanted to support. Like I wanted to support a sci-fi horror movie with, you know, like four women as your main characters. And and again, like I fucking I love that book so much. Like Jeff Vandermeer is a great author. He does all this. Like his his stuff is it's. The genre is is called like referred to generally as the new weird, <laughs> and it's sort of this just science fiction that's so different from anything else that's being read in terms of the way it plays with with biology and science and just gets so far beyond the human experience, and it's and I love this stuff. 
And so, you know, again, like I also want to be like, hey, I want to show that there is support for things like this. But it is like I did I did definitely like go back and forth on it. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm glad you saw it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like if you wouldn't have seen it, then still like I that's totally, you know, I probably if I were if I was faced with those consequences of like a notebook that I read and then just shit hit the fan, like I would definitely be like, do I really want to see this? Like, do I really want to, you know, spend my money on something that, you know, that they're letting this be OK, even though it's not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I if 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 people are making the decision not to see it based on on Natalie Portman being cast like I I totally get that. I think that's, you know, that's 100% valid. Yeah, I agree. Huh. Well, that sounds like a fun week, I guess, other than but Yeah. Um shit, what did I do this week? This week. Um I I think I had a lot of midterms. I say think because because like i'm just i'm so used to like taking a bunch of tests and i'm like wait a second are these midterms because i kind of count you know how many weeks are left in the semester and like um yeah it was like a almost midterm oh god i don't even know what week i'm on i think like five or six i don't know i feel like i'm halfway there probably because i want to be halfway there because i'm just not really interested in like any of my classes this semester so I'm just like that's oh, no. eh, okay and then my phone decided to break I guess break how well I, there was like this like glitch where like well it was weird because like the people at the Apple store were like what the fuck I've never seen this before oh that's not good I know so like basically like my home button stopped vibrating so I'm like what the fuck like I got home from work on like Wednesday morning and I'm like okay um and then I try to like contact Siri or um, if you press like the home button twice, it contacts Siri and then like my phone would freeze and then it would reset. And then like the home button still wasn't vibrating. And then like I had to contact Apple support once and then like the problem was fixed. Hallelujah. And then Friday morning comes and it starts doing the same thing. And then the people Apple support are like, all right, uh, go to the Apple store, get a new phone. So I go to the Apple store and I make an appointment. But like the thing is, is that with like, I was trying to make an appointment, but like they only have it like, days later and i'm like i'm not coming in a day later a problem that i can just like walk in and fix so i had to go to the apple store and of course they're like oh it's an hour wait even though it's like nine in the morning so i'm like whatever so i just like walk around for a bit they help me and then they look at my phone they're like oh fuck we're getting you a new phone so i mean that was fine i mean shit i didn't have to pay for it apple care so that's good i know like it would have been like 300 bucks if i like didn't have apple care so Hell yeah. I will say, like, every time I've had to contact, like, Apple customer service, they've all been really helpful. Oh, yeah. Like, when my when my laptop, like, fucking wouldn't start up because it had, apparently because it had gotten interrupted while it was trying to do a software update. Mm-hmm. And so it just, like, it was just doing a continuous boot cycle. But I took it in, like, they were so helpful. Like, I, because I actually ended up spending, like, a couple hours in there because we had to do, we had to, like, transfer everything off onto an external drive, then, like, wipe my computer. But, you know, the 
the guy helped me got me set up i'm just sitting there like he checked in on me like every 15 or 20 minutes he's like are you doing okay like can you do do anything else i'm like okay this is great yeah they're awesome like the way because there's this like chat that you can do and i was just like dming like kind of like the person like apple's support and they're like all right do this and i'm like okay they're like all right i'm here if you need anything and it was just really convenient so go apple i have all apple products now because i just got my macbook in september so they've you know apple products have always been good to me like i've heard of people having like lots of issues with apple but i mean i never have like i was trained on using like apple products like as early as like my freshman year of high school like we learned like excel and different stuff so mm-hmm. i've always been like i don't know I, I know what i'm doing basically and even like the people there like when on i was there on friday they're like well usually we like give like a in depth like uh, instruction like how to set up your phone and everything but you pretty much know what to do and i'm like hell yeah so <laughs> yeah like we've always like i just sort of grew up with max and that you know like even like like my first computer that was my own was one of those big blue iMacs <laughs> back when they were still doing the like the big like sci-fi looking colorful ones and i've just sort of always used them and yeah they definitely are more expensive but i've also never had that many problems with them like besides that weird thing with my laptop you know yeah like i've always been like a pc family like we've always had like windows and all of that and like every like if i wanted to get a new laptop my dad would just like hit me like a you know pc because he's like oh macbooks are too expensive so finally one day i had the balls to be like i'm getting my own laptop did no research Got my MacBook Air and I've been wonderful ever since. And like my dad now is like, shit, that's a nice laptop. I think I want to get one. And he's been doing research for like months because that's the type of guy he <laughs> is, is that he just does research yeah. on everything. And all the time I'm like, dad, why don't you just get one? Like, it's so worth it. I'm like, you know, like it syncs with your phone. Like you can like get your mail and you can, you know, text on it and everything. Like it's really convenient. And he's like, oh, well, I'm still doing my research. And it's like. Just get the damn thing already. <laughs> oh, but I love it, man. Go Apple. Huh. Well, um, we have a lot of fun topics to talk about today from um, Mendo to Rebels. Uh, but first off, um, this is our 30th episode. We've hit kind of a milestone, but I feel like almost every milestone is like the fives and the zeros. So, but still, hey, it's a milestone. So. I'm happy to be here. I love this podcast. I love Emily. I, I, I don't know why I'm talking to you in third person, but I love you, That's Emily. Okay. I love you too. <laughs> and I'm glad to, I'm, I love this. Makes me happy. I love all of our listeners and friends and just, I love everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, thank you everyone that's been uh, listening and laughing with us not at us i don't know <laughs> i'm not good at these like speech things oh <laughs> uh, but yay 30 that's a nice number oh wonderful wonderful so um something happened this week something big okay all right yeah um hopefully by the time this episode goes up the um the steel wars episode 
in question will already be available, but uh, Steel Saunders, who I'm sure, you know, we mentioned on the post a lot, but, uh, you know, we never know where people are coming from as listeners. So he does Steel Wars and he just recently did an interview with one Ben Mendelsohn. In his house. (sighs) Oh my God. So (laughs) here's the thing that happened on my end, which is um, on Tuesday, I'm sitting down to edit the episode and I'm just like, you know, I just have everything (laughs) pulled up. (laughs) <laughs> and I get a, I get a DM from Steele, ask me to call him, and I'm like, well, "That's fucking weird." <laughs> like, it just is like sort of like traumatic things happening. I'm not used to making phone calls anymore, and yeah. so so I call him, and like the first thing he just says to me, "So guess who's coming to my place tomorrow to record an episode?" <laughs> and I lost my shit because of course there's only like one person it could be that he would call me about and i'm just like seriously i think the first thing you said i said to him is are you fucking kidding me (laughs) and so then i just like freaked out at him for like 15 or 20 minutes and i was because i'm just so excited for him i mean obviously i'm excited for anything you know another interview with with mendo but I like the way Steele interviews people. I think he's really good at it. And so I think he's probably got some really cool stuff in that episode. And I'm very excited. I've never been so excited to listen to a podcast before. Like, when I found out, I screamed. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking lost it. Like, I didn't know that I was capable of getting that excited for someone else. Like, one side of me was like, I'm so happy for Steel. But then, like, the other part was like, oh, my God, Mendo was in his house. I know. Like, Mendo met Jerry the Persian. Oh, my God. Who is just... who Steel's amazing cat. Oh, I just love that cat so much. <laughs> Oh, that's it's like the perfect cat. And that's really saying something because I really love mine, but Jerry the Persian is like the perfect cat. Like just every picture of him is perfect. Yeah. But anyway, oh. yeah, I'm sure I'm hopefully by now that Steel's episode is up and you should definitely listen to it because it's gonna be amazing. And also I'm just I'm really I mean, I'm excited as a fan of Mendo, of course, but I'm also just excited because I know what a big deal this is for Steel. I mean, on a couple of levels. One, it's just, it's a really big get for the podcast. That's going to get a lot of listeners who don't normally listen to it. And that's always awesome. But also, like, Steel loves Mendo. And this is something he's been wanting to do for a really long time and worked really hard to make happen. And it's just, it's cool when good things happen to good people. Yeah, I'm so happy for Steel. And this is making me want to go back to like the origins of Mendo because, you know, I got into the Steel Wars, you know, podcast like kind of like late in the game. Like I think like uh, 
I've been listening to him for a year now. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I understood that, okay, Mendo is someone in Star Wars that people like are obsessed with. Cool. Awesome. Like I, I can relate to that. But like, I want to go back to like the beginning where like either it was announced that he would be in this film and like Steel finding out or because like I still like don't know like how like I know that Steel loves Mendo so much, but I want to know like the origins of all of this. Yeah, really, from my from my memory, you know, it really, I mean, it started, of course, when, you know, the cast, well, casting was announced, um, and then it would sort of just crop up now and again. Um, with me, it picked up after that episode I did um, with Steel, where I talked about wanting Mendo to take his shirt off, and then it became, <laughs> like, and then stuff... Like, got really exciting um, during the celebration blog pods because that was when um, when Mendo came out, like, in the cape and everything. Like, he came oh, out yeah. in full costume. <laughs> and so I, I would, like, those are ones definitely to go back and listen to. They're a lot of fun. Oh, man. I remember watching that live stream of him just walking in that cape and being like, this is so cool. But I I didn't know then that it was a big, big event in the Mendoverse. Huh, well, speaking of Mendo, Emily came up with this awesome Mendo idea. I thought it would be fun. Um especially, you know, maybe sometimes when, when the news is a little bit lighter, uh, to, because we love Mendo so much, to sort of go through his filmography. Um, and it's not going to be, it's not going to be every week. Because, I, I mean, first of all, there's only so many movies a person can be in. But also, I, I think it's, it's not always easy to do a movie every week. But I thought we could do monthly Mendo movies. Um, I don't have all the logistics worked out yet, but it looks like the first one is probably going to be Animal Kingdom, which is this really intense, like, um, kind of organized crime thing. That I mean, it's 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 probably like sort of the iconic Ben Mendelsohn movie, as um, as the Australian comedian uh, Tony Martin would say, he he's he's going full Mendo. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just once a month and we'll announce it like a couple, a couple of episodes before we actually do it. We'll say, Hey, this is the movie we're going to do. This is when we're going to talk about it. And then, you know, you can sort of watch it with us and, you know, send us your thoughts on it. Um, if we can get times aligned, we could maybe, you know, do some viewing where we're all live tweeting it. Hell yeah. I'm game. But I just bought a bunch of his movies. And there's other stuff. There's stuff on Amazon Prime and there's stuff on Netflix. So there's some really good stuff to go through. And you know, it's not always it's not always huge parts, but he tends to be pretty memorable. Immeasurable. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm excited for Animal Kingdom. I didn't just pick it because it's an amusement park in, in Orlando. <laughs> but because 
No, that was literally the only reason why. <laughs> I was almost wanted, I almost wanted to be like, I shouldn't pick something because one, this is a poll for my podcast and second off. But I'm like, you know, like I've never seen this movie before. So it's intense. And they they it was recently like redone as a TV show that wasn't very good. But it's it's an excellent movie. Wasn't that TV show on like TNT or something? Yes, I think so. Because I remember like it was like shot in like, or they were like, oh, in Oceanside, California or something. Was that that one? Or am I thinking of something else? That could that could very well be it. Yeah, because I was like, oh, Oceanside. I'm like, I live right near there. So I was like, oh, what's this? But honestly, anything that reminds me of like anything like Disney or like Animal Kingdom, I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you it's it's not based on the fun animal filled amusement park. <laughs> but he's really fucking scary in it and really good. And just and it also <laughs> it also just has it has good performances pretty much across the board. Um let me Yeah, it also has uh Joel Edgerton in it, um Guy Pierce is in it. There's a amazing, amazing performance by um, an actress, uh, Jackie Weaver, who got a, um, an Academy Award nomination for uh, Best Supporting Actress for it. Ooh, it's sort of it's sort of like the Australian crime drama, I would say. Hmm. Well, I'm excited to watch it. I've I need to start watching more movies and more TV shows because I don't watch anything because after expressing or that or announcing that I've never watched Seinfeld, I got a lot of surprising what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should be fun. Monthly Mendo movie. Yeah, so I'll get that I'll get the logistics of that planned out a little bit more and we'll we'll probably talk about it next episode and then figure out a time to actually like go in depth on the movie but i think it should be fun hell yeah huh. well anyways um so it was announced i believe on tuesday that uh the last jedi will be in our home soon so on march 13th we will you people will be able to get it digitally and then the 27th is when like everywhere is putting it out. And this is going to be in 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray, regular DVD, digital, if I didn't already say it, like just a bunch of different things that like the 4K Ultra HD thing is I've, I've heard about it before, but this is like the first Star Wars movie to be on 4K Ultra HD. That's a lot of words. <laughs> But uh, let's see. Um, let's see. I'm repeating myself. And along with, I'm reading um, the article from StarWars.com. Along with the number uh, one movie 2017 comes a galaxy of bonus features, including the director, the last or director, and the Jedi. 
an intimate journey of the creation of Star Wars The Last Jedi with writer-director Ryan Johnson, as well as 14 deleted scenes, an audio commentary, and much more. Um, let's see. I'm just going to read off some shit. Uh, director of the Jedi, go deep behind the scenes with uh, writer-director Ryan Johnson, Balance of the Force, Mythology of the Force with Ryan Johnson, scene breakdowns, Lighting the Spark, Snoke and, Smoke and Mirror, Snoke and Mirrors, <laughs> Showdown on Crate, um, Andy Circus Live, Lead scenes, audio commentary, which I'm actually very excited about. And uh, most importantly, uh, the different exclusives. So usually like stores do exclusives like Target, Disney, and Best Buy. For instance, Disney with their Star Wars releases, they do these like lithographs where uh, these like giant and they're like a uh, paper sized nice images. And usually like their images like just from the trailers or something <laughs> like um I have one from Rogue One, and I have one of, like, Mendo. You see his cape, and you see Darth Vader walking in. Uh, Best Buy, I mean, I didn't really see anything interesting with Best Buy, but Target. (laughs) How did I know? Target. So Target um, has, like, an extra little thing that's called Meet the Porgs. Take a lighthearted look at the development of the lovable creatures. So you best know that. I'm going to go to Target on um, that morning, that Tuesday morning. Whatever time that Target opens, I'm going to grab my last Jedi, go home, and immediately watch me eat the porks. <laughs> but hell yeah. Usually I, I go the Disney route and get the, the Disney one. But like I I don't use those or I don't really hang up those lithographs or anything. Like um, my sister got um, the force awakens for my brother for his birthday one year but it was so annoying because Rusty's birthday is in late april and that movie came out like early april she wouldn't let us open the movie and watch it until Rusty's birthday <laughs> i was so pissed to the point where i told Rusty, i'm like yo brandy got this for your birthday and we all want to watch the movie and i don't know why Rusty was like oh no i'm good i can wait but like finally we went to like Walmart and got the DVD because <laughs> we were all just like, we want to watch the movie, Brandy. And she's like, no, we have to wait till Rassie's birthday. But that was a fun year. But yeah, I mean, oh my God, so much shit compared to Rogue One and the snooze fest that came along with that movie. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad we're getting an audio commentary. And it sounds like, because I know that like occasionally they'll do these audio commentaries in a way that I don't like, which is it'll be lots of different people commenting on different scenes. So it's not like one consistent voice throughout the whole thing. And like, that's the sort of comment, like the commentary I want is one or two people sitting in a room watching the whole movie talking about it. And so I'm hoping that's, that's what this one is. I hope so, too, because I remember watching because, you know, back when I first started my job and I was like, okay, I'm bored. I'm going to watch movies. Then after I'd watch all the movies, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the movies, the audio commentary. And I almost felt like some of it was boring, but most of it, the most of the stuff that interested me most was the Return of the Jedi commentary, which was like with George, Carrie, I forget who else, but. Like, they would just do, like, it was like they were watching it, too. Like, Carrie would be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that bikini or, like, something like that. But still. And then I, 
Yeah, it was just Ryan Johnson that's going to do the uh, the audio commentary. So just him. So he's probably just going to be chilling, just watching to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did this. Or at first we were going to do this or didn't do this. Or I don't know, just whatever Ryan Johnson wants to do. But, oh, man, that's a lot. Well, it's shit. It's going to come in like a month because it's already the end of yeah. February. Well, for us. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the commentary. Um, I think the uh, the director and the Jedi sounds really good. Yeah. Just because I really I really like Ryan. And then of course the deleted scenes, which I'm super excited for. I would love to hear from Carrie too. Because they usually do like with those documentaries. Sorry, I, okay, so my aunt, she used to say documentary. And like, I catch myself saying that all the time. Documentaries. So like documentary, docu- doc- documentary, whatever. Tomatoes, tomatoes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like usually with those documentary documentaries, fuck, but they s- <laughs> documentaries, they, um, you know, they have like the cast and the crew and everything. Like, I just want to hear from Carrie, like what she thought about her scenes and everything, you know, how she did everything, how she worked with everyone, how everyone felt working with her. Something that'll get me emotional. Basically. Yeah. Ugh. Um, let me see which else. Snoke and Mirrors. I think that's the one that like I don't want to say like least interested by, but I mean, I'm still like, I'm still excited for all this, but I mean, like I'm kind of done with snow, yeah. but then again, like the motion capture shit, like that's kind of interesting too. Like seeing like how he did everything. And Andy circus live writer, director, Ryan Johnson presents two exclusive sequences from the movie featuring Andy circuses, Ron set performance. Oh, that's interesting. But yeah, delete scenes too. That's rumoredly like 30 minutes long. Ugh. I love Star Wars deleted scenes. I was really sad that like the last two movies didn't really have a lot. Like The Force Awakens kind of had, you know, those deleted scenes, but like they weren't yeah. done. They weren't, you know. Like I want something like that I can like fit into the movie and like watch as a whole. But <sighs> that is great. That is great. Oh, and um, JJ uh, Abrams was just recently on um, Stephen Colbert. What is that? Late night with Stephen Colbert, or yeah, something like that. I don't watch him that much, but late night or late. I don't remember which one his is called. Late something with Stephen Colbert and JJ uh, Abrams is there just chilling, and he said. We have a script. Is that your Abrams? <laughs> I have no idea. No, okay, wait. Let me try to do it. Like, yeah, we have a script. <laughs> I have no idea. I guess JJ Abrams is. Have no. you ever heard JJ Abrams speak? I'm not good at impressions. Okay, anyway, <laughs> he says they have a script and they start shooting at the end of July. That's fun. I'm trying to think of like where they could be shooting first. That's in July. Because when they shot, because they did that one first scene on Skellig Mikkel. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. Yeah. And 
I assume because they started in like January, right? Like that's when they started promotion, not promotion, but production. Possibly. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to come up with here, but um, I was trying to be like, oh, like they're starting at this time because they're going to be shooting at warmer places or something. But I mean, God, I have no idea. But shit, that's cool. A script. I wonder what the movie is going to be called. The Last Porg. (laughs) The Porgs Live. A Star Wars story. No, that's a standalone film. Oh, I got the I got the Chewie and the Porgs book. Ooh. How is it? Or how was it? Sorry. It's super cute. Like the the illustrations are freaking adorable. <laughs> I love how each porg on that cover is individually drawn. A plus. But that's good. It's not a cookbook. <laughs> it's not a cookbook. Thank God. It's just very sweet. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like the last package I got from Amazon was Chewy and the Porgs and then like four <laughs> like fucked up hardcore like Ben Mendelsohn movies. I'm like, this is a good assortment of things. I can I can like I can read this book while I watch him play a child molester. That's fun. Oh god, he's a child molester in a film? Um there's a, a movie he did recently with uh Rooney Mara called Una and it's about this uh Rooney Mara plays a, a woman who seeks him out because when she was 13 he like seduced her into a relationship and then it's it's her like hunting him down I think like you know like 15 years later or something like that oh shit that sounds dark yeah oh Riz Ahmed is in this one too sweet Huh, well, um, also, it was rumored, or not rumored, I guess, uh, kind of official, that something called Star Wars Resistance was trademarked into four merchandising trademarks. One for, like, toys and games and shit. The other for, like, clothing. So, like, footwear, headwear, etc. The other for, like, uh, uh, paper, shit, books, photographs, portraits, school supplies. And then the other one for, like, Apparatus for recording, transmission, processing, sound. Basically anything like any audio or visual recordings. So that includes things like video games and apps and all that stuff. Hmm. I have a theory that they have this like a little Lego Star Wars show for like kids. Like the... Trade or I forget what it's called. The Freemakers Adventures or something. Uh-huh. I think that this is going to be like another like kids thing. 
because I know that they have a lot of merch out there for kids for that kind of stuff, I believe. Because I think I recall seeing some stuff for it for um, that show or whatever. But I can't think of them announcing something so soon, you know? Yeah, but I mean, you make... I would. I think you make like trademark applications long before you often announce things. I'd be interested to see when other trademarks were were applied for. Yeah, I remember hearing about the Forces of Destiny trademark, and then like a couple weeks or two months later, that was when Forces of Destiny was announced. I'm not sure if that's exactly like the the timeline of that, but I remember hearing that. About the forces of destiny. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the other thing is, like, this is so big. Like, it could be anything. Yeah. Like, it, it could be... Yeah. It could be a new video game. It could be, you know, what the new cartoon is going to be called or what one of the live-action shows is going to be called. Or, you know, it could... You know, it could be some, like, shitty like mobile game like yeah but why would they make clothes and shit for a mobile or for a mobile game you know well i think you just sort of i mean i I would assume generally when they're applying for trademarks they have like broad categories that they do because you never know how popular things going to be and what else it's going to spin off hmm that's true Yeah, so I guess we'll see on that. Like, something is like Star Wars Resistance, I think automatically, like, something, like, for kids or for some reason. Like, but, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised well, if yeah. it was something, like, for, you know, like, the live action. But the thing is, is that doing, like, a live action show about, like, the Resistance, like, I would think that you would have to include, like, Poe and Leia, kind of, because, like, they're two big people in the Resistance. Or... Like, I, I'm, they're trying to think of, like, a show about this. They could just, you know, focus on, you know, smaller people in the Resistance and not really hear from Leia or Poe or BB-8 or any of the other main characters that are in the Resistance. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if this was a, a cartoon. I mean, maybe it's just because the name is so similar to Rebels, but... Again, like this is just this is just shooting. Like I wouldn't be surprised if this is anything at all. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, we'll find out soon. But all right, rebels, 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 rebels. Emily, did you watch Rebels? No. <laughs> okay, good. So, um. You, you the, the it, this part of the show is yours. Okay. <laughs> All right. What do you me... think? Okay. I feel like I am too critical on this show. I admittedly am an asshole because I shit on Ezra Bridger so much and I can't help myself. And I almost feel bad, but at the same time, it's like, whatever, this is a character that I don't like, but I'm, like, finally processing that, like, Ezra Bridger is not, like, the Star Wars character, like, meant for me, and, like, I'm okay with that now, but it's, like, going back, like, I almost feel bad that I've shown this character so much, and, like, going in my, like, episodes reviews, I, you know, 
I wish I I really genuinely wish I liked this character, but now like I don't like, and yeah. I I've never been at the point before where I say like I don't like this Star Wars character. Like you know, obviously going back and like you watching episodes of Clone Wars, being like, yeah, fuck that guy. But a main character in like something Star Wars for me being like I don't like this. This isn't for me. Like that's big for me because I I love everything Star Wars. So it's this is like my this is a first for me. But, yeah, but it's hard. It's hard when you don't like the main character of a show. It is. And, you know, I'll go into my um, review of the episodes, but I feel like that was a major reason why, like, I didn't connect with these episodes, like, as much and I didn't get as emotional during uh, some events of this episode is because I really have strong feelings about one of the main characters of the show. And that, like, kind of saddened me because, like, I... I really wanted to like connect with this episode, but like I kind of didn't, but you know, in some ways I did, but anyways, I'll go into here. Let me switch the screen so I can see this better. My eyesight's getting like kind of shitty, but anyways, anyways. Uh, so this episode starts off with, okay, so Kanan, he's just like sitting, he's just chilling. He's a uh, meditating or something. And then Arizor comes by and, what happened in the previous episode was that Hera was kidnapped by, uh, I forget who, I think, the, yeah, just the Empire. The Empire kidnapped her or whatever. And he goes to Ezra and he's like, you need to lead this mission because my feelings for Hera are too strong. And I was like, whoa, okay, like, he's being really honest. Like, that's serious. And just how Kanan was acting, like, the first, like, 15, 20 minutes of the episode, you knew something was going to happen. Like, I had a really strong feeling that before, like, before this episode that Kanan was going to die. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, Hera's being captured and shit. And like Thrawn, I just don't find Thrawn intimidating at all. He's trying to, there's this like weird orchestra music that like follows Thrawn. And it almost sounds like, a, I can't think of like the instruments, but like the, not the harmonica, but like the, like the pipe or not the, <laughs> the like, like um, organ? The organ. Yeah, like the organ just like, follows him around just like every time he does something that's like supposed to be scary and he has this like monotone voice and he's like study he has he stole something from Hera I forget like exactly what it's called I put it in my notes somewhere um fuck where did I put it he yeah so it's this thing and he steals it from Hera, and it's like really important to her because it's like a uh, important to her family and everything. And he's like, "Oh, like I'm studying this," and he's like trying to get her all emotional because he's like, "Oh yeah, you had a brother, and he died really young." And she's like, "Fuck you, Thrawn, basically." And uh, I feel like a lot with Thrawn is that they're trying to connect to the books, but they're almost failing. And that's not on like Timothy Zahn or anything. I just think it's just the show trying to be like, "Oh, this character is really scary," but like he's not just there's nothing that he's done in this that i'm like okay this guy's creepy as fuck or anything that i like you know anything that tarkin does it's kind of like creepy or anything that vader dies because there's some vader moments and like oh my god like this guy's like i don't want to fuck with him but anyways so ezra is able to like find out like how to get to hair and everything so one point for ezra the only point he gets in this episode <laughs> And they make these, like, glider things that look like Lothbats. So, I mean, that's, like, kind of cool, but, like, kind of cheesy. 
Like, you know, I talked about it last episode. I hate anything cheese. Not food cheese, but like cheese cheese. But um, yeah, then Cannon cuts his hair. Another clue that he's going to die. Um, and then um, a hologram comes up of Tarkin when he's talking to Thrawn. And he's just talking about how Krennic has been like really persuasive. And he wants all the funds to go to his project. So basically Thrawn is trying to fund this project. It's called like a TIE Defender. And basically, it's this, like, self-driven TIE fighter that has shields and everything and is, like, at the same fast or same speed and shit as, like, the Rebels ships and everything. Um, Firepower, firepower, shielding, speed. And apparently, like, this is, like, Thrawn's child. Like, he's... He thinks that... I think he thinks that this is better than the Death Star, which destroys planets. (laughs) Planets! And that makes me angry because it's like, this is such a stupid idea. Like, obviously, like, you know, these things work. Like, that's the reason why Hera got kidnapped in the first place because she got a small flight crew and she's like, we're going to save the fall. Then Thrawn put out some, like, uh, these TIE defenders and he's like, okay, like, um, I'm here. Let's do this. And, like, they killed a lot of people. But Hera and some other rebels that are now stranded on the fall. So that happened. And then... So he has to go to Palpatine and be like, okay, this is why we should fund these TIE Defender shit things. So then Thrawn goes, which is like, okay, so we know that Hera's able to escape because Thrawn's not there because Governor Price, I like her, but it's like, you know, the rebels still get away with a lot of shit when she's in charge. So then um, Hera was drugged. And I feel like they were trying to be really funny with this, but they just, it, it just wasn't funny to me. Like, and I'll go on, like, later, but, like, you know, they tried to, like, have her, like, be, like, really honest. And then her having, like, an actual moment and her being, like, no, it's not the truth serum. It's me. But it's, like, five seconds ago you were talking about, oh, this. And, you know, it's, like, uh-huh. like, I know this is a kid show, so I'm, like, trying not to be, like, so judgmental. But, and then Kanan, they all get there. They are about to save Hera. And then Kanan kind of talks to the kids the last time, Sabine and, and Ezra. He's like, all right, guys, uh, Ezra, you're a good listener. I served you here, and he'll serve you for the future. But, and Ezra's like, what do you mean? Because Ezra, I think Ezra even knows that he's not a good listener and everything. Kanan <laughs> is saying is bullshit. And he says, may the force be with you. And then he jumps down to go get Hera, which was kind of sad because I knew that, oh, that's probably going to be the last time we hear him say that. But um, then... He gets Hera, and then he's like, oh, I see we're in a special mood because of that interrogation droid. And then, I don't know, they're really flirty. Oh, but then, like, that thing that um, Thrawn stole that was, like, really important to Hera, it's called, like, a Calcori or something. So it's this, like, thing that's passed down from parent to child uh, for the Twi'leks. And um, Thrawn stole it from her, and she got it back. And it's like, oh, here you go. Like, I got you a present. But she's like, this isn't a present. This is mine. You know, because the truth serum and stuff. So it's like, okay, they're trying to be funny. And then, like, they get on top and they see, like, the little gliders. And Hera's like, oh, did you did you fly on those things? And Kanan's like, oh, yeah, the kids. Because, like, all the episodes, like, they kind of related the the Rebels crew to, like, the kids. So, like, Hera was the mom, Kanan was the dad, and the rest of them were the kids. Chopper was a family dog. So, I mean, that was cute. But then Rook comes, and that's, like, a... Or not canon. It's... 
Thrawn's assassin, which like he's a really shitty assassin because he's really shitty in the next episode. So then Kane loses his lightsaber. He's able to shoot stormtroopers even though he's blind, which is something that I'm like, I should let this go. But it's like they it's like they forget he's blind. Don't don't make a character blind if it's not actually going to have any effect on him at all. Yeah, like that's something they were really bad at in the last like couple of se- or this like the last couple of seasons because I he got blind the second the season finale of the second season. So then um they're they're like flying on the glider and the glider's like catches fire so like shit so they land and they're like okay we're gonna get on top of these um forget they're called these like tanks. So they head over to these tanks that's like a fuel tank. There's like a bunch of them in the area, but they go to the, like the biggest one in the middle. And Ezra and Sabine, they hijacked a ship, whatever. Ezra says some really stupid lines because it's Ezra. And Governor Price is on the at, at and she sees them and she's like, shoot the shoot, shoot the thing. I don't give a fuck. So then that at shoots, shoots the fuel tank. And Kanan uses the force to like save everyone because like they're boarding on the ship. And, like, he feels it's coming, so, like, he forces it. And, like, Hera, like, slowly realizes, oh, fuck, he's sacrificing himself to save us. And she kind of, like, goes back and runs for him, which, like, sucks. Stab in the heart. And then you see him, like, get his eyesight back for, like, that last moment, which symbolizes that, you know, he's able to look at Hera for the last time. Because, like, uh, just a second ago, she told him that she loved him and shit. And they made out. But, like, he didn't say it back. And that pissed me off for some reason. But I think that's just me. But for some reason, like, after she said it, I was waiting for him to say something stupid. Like, I know. Hmm. Because I know Rebels is stupid like that. Because they did that whole, I have a bad feelings about this. They've done it before, like, once or twice. But, like, I knew that he would do something, like, I know or something. But uh, I just feel like he should have said something back. Because before that, he was, it was like, oh, Hera, I need to tell you something. And then Hera was like, oh, truth serum. I'm going to tell the truth about shit. And not be funny. But then... Yeah, the screen goes to white. Sabine loses it. Well, before that, which was, I almost like lost it when Sabine lost it. Like I, and then when Hera was trying to reach out for Kanan. But the thing that got me the most that I'm still questioning, why didn't Ezra help? I'm, okay. he could have helped force with Kanan. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if, like, Kanan was, like, mentally telling Ezra, go with the family. I'm sacrificing myself. But they were all just kind of standing there. And the fact that Ezra, I think that Ezra should have done something, like, is making me be like, oh, Ezra. But, I mean, it was a really sad moment. And I don't want to take away that death being like, oh, it sh- could have been saved. It could have. But, I mean, it was a fuel tank, for God's sake, too. So, like, it I can't imagine, like, how much force you have to use to take a ship away from the fuel tank but i mean overall it was it was a good episode i think i like again i feel like i'm too critical but it was sad like i didn't cry or anything like i'm not that emotional with like star wars like i've never really cried like i think the only time like i actually cried was um vader and rogue one because I don't know, like, I just, I loved it so much at the time. But, I don't know. 
it just I I I I'm jealous that it got so many more people like really emotional and not me. If that makes any sense. Like I wish I felt like more emotional about it, but I don't. And it's like I I'm okay with it now, but it's like shit. Yeah, I wish I was more invested in the series, but you know, it's it's not meant for me and like that's okay. But I'm going to try to get through the second episode because I'm realizing that my notes are way too extensive and I've already spent like 20 <laughs> minutes talking about this and you're well, probably like, Brittany. No, that's fine. It's good to, I mean, it's a major like thing that happened. Like the show's, I mean, it might not be for me, but it is, you know, it's Star Wars. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of things that happen in these two episodes are really important too. So that's why I feel like I have to go like by section by section because... A lot of things happen, like with the, with Kanan sacrificing himself, basically. So we go back to you know in episode eleven, Doom. Governor Price is like she's looking over like all the destruction, and everything, and some guy is like, oh, in security footage, it was revealed that the death of the Jedi, he's dead, and she's like, okay, cool, we're throwing a party, and he's like, um, no, this this thing, the Tie Defender, like that was the the fuel for the TIE Defender. She's like, fuck it. I don't care. We're throwing a party. We're throwing a dead Jedi party. Whatever. The rebels get back to the base. Then Zeb, like, he doesn't get it. He's like, oh, where's Kanan? And everyone's like, he's like, he's gone. And he's like, gone. What do you mean? It's like, god damn it. They could have just, like, been like, he could have understood it. But it's really touching because, like, Chopper goes to Hera and, like, he, he, like, gets his little arm out and he holds her hand. Aww. I thought that was kind of cute. But, yeah, for some reason, the Rebels are terrible and they're listening to the parade announcement. Like, they're like, oh, the Jedi's dead. And then I think Sabine's like, turn that shit off. Like, what the fuck, guys? And they're like, oh, okay. And then Harris just like not in the mood, whatever. She's still sad, which is totally okay. Like, they, om- I almost feel like some of them are like playing it off like, oh, we have no leader now because Kanan's dead and because Hera's distraught. Well, it's like, give her some fucking time. Like, she just lost, like, the love of her life and, like, you know, someone she spent so much time with, you know? Like, they were, they were, like, space married almost. And then uh, the rest of the episode is just, like, Ezra thinking out loud, which is the worst thing in the <laughs> world. And, like, honestly, like, I think that's why I don't like this show is because Ezra talks out loud all the time because I think that the writers think that kids might not get this so they need someone a kid to be like explaining it to them yeah they do so they don't trust their audience they don't and here we have Ezra being like you didn't prepare me for this Kanan what do I do now and then then the horse wolves come in and then he says oh I I guess you know about Kanan too and then I said in my notes, I want to go in Star Wars and punch Ezra Bridger because <laughs> I want to go and punch him. But um, he thinks the wolves are mad at him because they're all like ganging up on him. And then they they chase him and they trip him and then he passes out, which point seventeen for the wolves in this episode. Pushing over Ezra and making him faint is 17 points. Ezra still has one from the last episode. Um, and then... You go back to Thrawn or Price and she gets a hologram from Thrawn being like, what the fuck did you just do? He's pissed. He could care less about Kanan being dead because his child, the TIE Defender project is like dead. Okay. Now. 
And he's like, oh, I'll deal with you later. And Governor Price is like, oh, no. Oh, God. What do I do? Which Fairy comes in. And I think that she defects because she's like, Thrawn's going to kill me. Fuck. So I think she's going to go to the rebels because in one of the like the, the tr- one of the trailers, you see her with the rebels. But it looks like she's captured. So maybe she like goes to them and is like, I surrender because Thrawn's going to kill me, which I respect. Uh, I, I, yeah, whatever. But then um, everyone's still mourning. And then Hera's just, you know, she's really distraught and she's saying how she regrets everything because I guess Kanan was really against the war. And then she says, I guess I was the one that was really blind. Oh. I want to mourn with her. Her space husband just died. But when she says lines like that, I fucking can't. It's it's such a it's such a bad line. It is. I I hate cheese, but anyways, um Sabine wants to go like cause more fireworks to the party, I guess. And Zeb is like, cool, I'll go with you. And then they kind of just like look over, try to destroy some shit. And then um, you go back to Ezra, who's like, it's at night. And then he's thinking out loud still. And he's like, I better go back to base. And it's like. (sighs) And then um, Doom, which is like the bigger space wolf, comes to Ezra and is like, I am Doom. And he's like, that was my master's name. And he's like, you ran. Why? And they're just like, I didn't mean to run. I feel lost without my master. I'm afraid everything seems so hopeless right now. My best Ezra impersonation. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, the wolf wants him to like fight together, then shows him this like stone thing from the Jedi Temple. And then the wolf is like, danger, secrets waiting and shit. Restore past, redeem future. So it's leading him to go to this like Jedi temple. And apparently all this like mythical shit's supposed to happen. You haven't seen the um Mortis arc yet. I don't know no. like where I'm pretty sure that it's in season three. Okay. And I almost want I almost or I don't know, because like we're gonna talk about it next week. And like I don't want to talk about like all this mortis stuff and then you not seeing the episode yet. Oh, it doesn't. But I, I mean, don't like, fucking care. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably don't care, but that's okay. But yeah, anyways, Space Wolf stuff. And then Sabine and Zeb, they realized that Kanan completed their mission by helping destroy that fuel depot. So they were like, oh, shit, he helped us. Like, we have a chance to fight back against the Empire. Cool. But then Rook comes and tries to kill them because he's supposed to be an assassin. So then, like, he has this, like, invisible shit that makes him invisible. He's trying to fight them. And then Sabine's like, oh, here, I'll spray paint him so that you can see him. And then they spray paint him a little bit. And then Zeb, like, put, tries to kill him, basically. <laughs> and then he almost kills him. And Sabine's like, wait, no, stop. We, this is not how we're going to win. We can't. So... So she says, basically, like, killing him won't make things even. And then what she thinks will make things even is sending him back to the Empire base spray painted. I mean, okay. But then, like, basically, at that point, 
from now on, you are responsible for anybody that assassin kills. That's the thing is that, you know, they're, they're like, okay, this is going to solve it. And then kind of like humorous thing, but it's like, but really though, like this assassin, you know, could go back and, you know, kill all your people and like that's really scary to yeah, think like, of. this isn't like this isn't just like some random like imperial guy you know who's just like hitting buttons on a ship all day like this is an assassin i think you're allowed to kill assassins i guess that's like uh, you know i get that was like too dark for the show like when when zeb was was like punching the shit out of him i'm like yeah you kill that guy but then i mean ugh. But then again, it's like the fact that they were able to defeat him proves that he's a shitty assassin because the rebels are still alive. But anyways, uh, they get back to the base and they let Hera know that Kanan saved all of them. And she's like, sweet. Fuck yeah. I have hope again. Then Ezra comes back and says, hey, we have a mission. Here you go. Jedi Temple's in danger. And then shows them the rock thing. And then we're the only ones that can do anything about it. So next week... We're going to go to the Jedi Temple and we're going to see our friend Sheev Palpatine because for some reason Disney decided to post a picture and say, hey, guess who's going to be on tomorrow? Sheev Palpatine. And I wish that they wouldn't have announced that so I would have like been surprised to see him. But no. Yeah. I'm still kind of bitter about that. But oh, well, I mean, I, you know, the first time I watched this, I didn't like this episode, but, like, the second time, it's, like, without all the Ezra shit, like, I thought it was a pretty, like, powerful episode, you know, with Hera and everything, and oh, I forgot to say that she adds, like, a little piece to her, um, her thing. Like, her family heirloom thing? Yeah, so, like, Hera, like, that Kanan's, like, part of her family, which I thought was beautiful, but, you know, everything with Hera, like, mourning over Kanan, like, I thought that was beautiful, or her Cal Cori, like, putting a little thing on there, but... I mean, the one thing I've been thinking about, too, about, like, the fact that Ezra and Kanan are still alive, or, sorry, now Ezra, where the fuck is Vader? You think that Vader would be like, I'm going to destroy all the Jedi, but there's this kid named Ezra Bridger that I just can't get to, or, you know, it's like, maybe he just thought that Kanan, or that those two Jedi, well, before Kanan died, obviously, like, weren't that big of a problem. Like, maybe he thought the rebellion was just like, okay, like, nothing, boring, let's go on to the next problem. But it's a big galaxy. But I mean, like, there's a lot of shit going on in this shit planet Lethal. So I'm just confused, like, why Vader hasn't killed them or hasn't killed Ezra. Yeah, that's sort of one of my major problems with this series. Yeah, and it's like, I get there are probably, like, more serious issues in the galaxy. But I mean, like, when they, these rebels already have, like, star fleets and everything. Like, forming, wouldn't you think that Vader and his crew would be, like, destroy that, you know, like, step on it? Because that's how superior they are to the Rebel Alliance at this point. Because they don't come out until Scarif and saying, what's up, here's all of us in the battle over Scarif, which was a wonderful space battle that showed that, hey, the Rebels are here and we're ready to fuck shit up, you know? Ugh, but I mean, after watching, because I had to watch this a second time just to like get my feelings on everything, but I'm ready for this to end. How many episodes are left? I believe four. Okay. 
Yeah, I I'm prepared and you know, Kanan's already gone and I'm kind of already sad about that, but I'm more sad for the characters, like for Hera and Sabine and everyone else. Like and I'm kind of sad too, because it's like that's a character that I've been watching for a long time now. But then again, like yeah. I don't, I've had so many issues with the show that I'm just like, okay, like, you know, like the whole like Kanan's supposed to be blind, but he can actually, you know, he can see shit. He acts like he can see shit, but I don't know. Overall, fine. But I hope you enjoyed my Rebels review. Yeah, there we go. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I mean, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything by not watching this show. Hmm. That's fair. I don't blame you for not watching it. Like, I'm not like you're not watching Rebels. Like, I fucking get it. <laughs> like, ugh. Well, anyways, Emily. Oh, yeah, I watched some Clone Wars. <laughs> How was it? I mean, it was fine. Let <laughs> me um, get up my notes so I can actually remember what happened. Okay, I watched episode seven of season three, and this is called Assassin. Um, basically, this is, I mean, it's right after... The episode set right after the episodes with little Boba Fett, and then like Anakin gets sent off to some planet, but the Jedi Council has Ahsoka stay behind so she can like work on her studies or whatever. And we find out she's been having these nightmares about Aura Singh, who is at this point presumed dead from the whole Boba Fett arc. Um, and we see her having this nightmare where, where Singh says, she will die and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, Ahsoka goes to Yoda saying basically she thinks these these aren't just dreams, that they're visions. Um, and she eventually has another vision that shows that Padme is the target. Uh, so she goes to warn Padme about it. And then we learn that Padme is supposed to be going to Alderaan for this big, like, war refugee, like, conference. I have to say, when when she goes to Yoda about this, Yoda's, I mean, Yoda's pretty calm. Yoda, like, yeah, he's just like, okay, you know, listen to your visions. But it seems like you should be, I, I realize that Yoda generally, like, is fairly even-keeled, but maybe if we, one of your Pat Wands is is dreaming about an assassination attempt that you think might be a vision. You could be like a little more proactive because it does. Like Yoda seems to be treating this all as like it should be some like big learning experience for Ahsoka, and I'm like the stakes are a little bit high for this to just be like a lesson. But whatever. Um, one thing I really did like is so basically okay so Ahsoka decides that she's going to go with Padme to like be like extra protection and there is this very sweet scene between the two of them which is sort of you know Ahsoka admitting that you know she's really unsure of herself and and you know nervous and not sure like that she can do what she's supposed to be doing as a Jedi and and Padme's just like, well, you know, I was a 
really young queen who had all of these responsibilities on my shoulders and I wasn't always sure of myself either. And, and basically like, I trust you and I believe in you and you should believe in yourself. And that was cute. I like both of them. So I like that. Um, there are a couple of like false starts when Ahsoka has a vision that Padme is being attacked, like at that moment and rushes into her quarters, <laughs> like swinging her lightsabers and there's nobody there. And then we go to Alderaan, which is really nice. I like seeing Alderaan. Uh, and Mothma's there. She, we don't really see her do much, but I like that she's just, you know, sort of hanging out with Bail Organa. Um, and Padme's giving a speech, and Singh tries to assassinate her, and Ahsoka saves her. Um, and then Padme's supposed to be giving another speech, and Ahsoka's like, look, you can't do this. I'm having more vision. She's going to try to kill you again. But so then they send like a droid in a robe to give the speech. And like, we see like Padme's like in the med bay, like with a walkie talkie basically. But it turns out that um, Singh totally knows this is what's happening. So she goes to kill Padme. Uh, Ahsoka figures out just in time. Um, and then, like, she says that she's been hired for revenge. So it's not, like, some political assassination. Um, and Ahsoka gets, like, shot in the shoulder. But then Padme grabs a blaster and, and stuns Aura Singh. And that was pretty cool. I like, I like seeing Padme be able to, like, kick some ass. Like, that was a nice little scene. <laughs> And then, like, they still don't know who who set this all in motion and who, like, placed the hit on Padme. But Ahsoka is able to describe enough of her vision because she's just seen, like, you know, she has, like, shapes and colors. But Padme figures out, based on that, that it's Zero the Hut, who is, <laughs> of course, in jail. And then we go... Um, Anakin and Ahsoka go to visit him and trick him into confessing. And I, I'm just happy for any scene with Zero the Hut because he <laughs> has this, like, the whole, like, why in the world, like, southern dandy, like, it's so ridiculous. I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, the accents of characters in Star Wars, I think especially in, in Clone Wars, it's so random. It's like they were drawn out of a hat. <laughs> like they just like it's it's bizarre and hilarious and I love it. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that this hut speaks English. Yeah, that's a little bit weird. They I mean I don't I mean I guess if you're going to if you're going to have him be like significant in episodes then you just sort of have to. Yeah. Because we see, like, we have, there's some hot ease that we see in other episodes, including the next one, but it's not, like, they're not, like, the focus of the episode. But it's just, it's so funny. It's so weird. I love it. And that was, I don't know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, like, amazing episode or anything, but I'm generally happy when the focus is on Ahsoka or on Padme. So having an episode with both of them, I liked. Yeah. I 
I love how Padme is just very understanding and she doesn't question Ahsoka. Yeah, that's one thing I liked is at first I thought this episode was going to be people not believing Ahsoka and Ahsoka having to like prove that she's right and everybody's just thinking she's crazy. So I'm I'm glad that it didn't go that way. Like everybody just seems to be like, okay, we totally believe you. And that definitely they don't seem to be taking as many precautions as they should. I mean, you they, they have really shitty guards. I will say that. I mean, because there's this whole, like, in, when she's down, given this speech, there's this whole, like, upper level, like, sort of like a vent system that goes around the whole room. And there's a guard watching, but he's he's not... I mean, he has his back turned. He's watching through the vent, watching the speech. <laughs> and it's like Singh, like, comes behind him and, like, breaks his neck or knocks him unconscious or whatever. And I'm like, maybe you should have been... Maybe you should have been turned around the other way. But whatever. I mean, that's a minor quibble. Uh, the next episode was called Evil Plans, which is... I mean, that's not a real title. That's a placeholder title for an episode. <laughs> um, and this one is set right before the season two Ender Hostage Crisis, which is like when the Senate building gets broken into. So this is sort of the stuff that leads up to that. So the, big, the episode opens with Jabba hiring Cad Bane, my favorite space cowboy. <laughs> Um, and we just know he's hiring him to do something. And then, and then things get annoying. Okay, so we go to Coruscant, and this is when Padme is, like, planning the huge fancy party for this reception that leads to this (laughs) whole thing. Oh, no. And, god damn it. Three, okay, look, (laughs) 3PO is best in small doses. You want to give me a bunch of R2? I will watch R2 all day long. But 3PO, I need I need him to be a side character, not not the main focus. Um, and so there's this like some kind of fruit like cake that they made for the dessert for this thing, but like it doesn't it's supposed to have these like decorative fruits on top of it and they don't have them and 3PO's freaking out. And then basically to get him to shut up and get out of there. And this actually, this part I really liked, which is Anakin is like, all right, I'm going to send you on a special mission. <laughs> and that mission is to like go to the market and buy these fruit. But I, I, I love how Anakin plays it here, which is like this very serious, like, we're counting on you. Don't get distracted. You got to go do this thing. For something that doesn't matter in the slightest. Um, and then there's just, you know, there's the typical, like, 3PO, like, bitching about shit as they're walking through this market. You know, there's this scene that goes on way too long where they're, like, bartering over the price of this fruit. And then... <laughs> then, okay, so there's a droid spa... I mean, what the fuck? I don't, I don't know. This droid approaches three PO and R two, and he's like, because he overhears them, and he's like, "Oh, the money you have left just happens to be the amount of money it would take to go to the droid spa." 
And 3PO just wants to get back. But R2, for some reason, God knows why, like, throws a little bitch fit about it. And he's like, no, we're going to the fucking spa. I mean, at least that's what I'm assuming that the little beeps and bloops mean. Because he even, like, he even, like, basically, like, does the R2 of Cleveland of, like, stomping his little feet. And so, basically, then, 3PO gives in. Um... And we see R2, like, going through the little spa treatments. Like, there's a big oil bath, and there's some sort of, like... It almost looks like one of those car wash, like, buffers where he gets, like, all shiny and new. Um, it's, it's very bizarre. But then, okay, so 3BO gets kidnapped by Bane. And basically, he's trying to get plans for the layout of the Senate building so they can plan this whole... All the stuff that went down in Hostage Crisis when they break into the place. So, there we see 3PO basically getting tortured because Bane thinks that he'll have these plans. And 3PO is just like, dude, I don't have them because I'm a protocol droid and I help, you know, plan parties and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but 3PO, being 3PO, we do like basically lets it slip that R2 would have these plans. So then, you know, they try to get R2 and there's this whole thing like they, they torture 3PO in order to lure R2 out. And then they get the info from him, obviously, because they have it in the earlier episode and then erase their, their memories of, of the kidnapping. Um, and then, you know, we just see, we see Bane like learning why the Huts wanted this and agreeing to do that mission. And then, you know, the tag on the end is 3PO and then like they get back there and then, oh, they put the fruit on the cake and everybody's happy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like it just, I get what they were going for. Which is a lot of, like, I mean, the droid torture aside, like, they're going for, you know, this really, like, light, wacky hijinks of 3PO and R2. And I do not have time for it. Even with Cad Bane there being Cad Bane, I'm just like, it just doesn't, it just, that that type of episode doesn't do it for me. Like, I just, it makes me tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of my least favorite episodes, too. Like, I legitimately fast-forwarded through part of this episode, and these episodes are, what, like, 22 minutes long? But I was like, I can't, I can't deal with it. That's when they were in the droid spa, right? Yeah, you well, fast-forward? I, I fast-forwarded through that, and, I like, the whole, the whole scene where he's bartering over the price of this fruit, I'm just like, nope, don't care. I get it. <laughs> this is annoying. <laughs> Especially since, like, I already know how the episode is going to end. Because we know that they get the plans somehow. So, obviously, like, you don't show this episode if this is, isn't how they get the plans. Yeah, which is why the whole way that they did these episodes where it's like, this one actually happens before or this one happens after. I mean, it's, like, creative, but it's, like, 
it would have been interesting if, you know, we didn't know this happened and okay, this is how this happens instead of just like one thing. And it's like, oh, but the next Cad Bane enters and Zero the Hut is rescued because yes. it really, it really, it really like kneecaps the, any sort of tension. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm happy that you enjoyed that one episode with Ahsoka and Padme, but I mean, like, huh. It's one of the throwaway episodes. Well, I mean, like, I would almost call it a, th- a filler episode, but it's not only because that's how they were able to get Zero the Hut out of yeah. space prison or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. do you know what episodes you have next week? Um, Let me look. Oh, we have The Hunt for Zero. So I'll I'll be happy with that one. Because there's more of just him being fucking weird. And then we have one called Heroes on Both Sides. Ooh, that one's a good one. Both of those are good. Okay. Oh, that's more That's more Padme and Ahsoka. So I will probably like that one too. Yes, that is probably one of my favorite episodes from like this whole series. Okay. I'll probably want to rewatch that episode too, so we can talk about it next week. Well, depending on how big Rebel, ah, fuck it, Rebels won't be. But you know, the thing about this like Rebels hype is that people are like, "Oh my god!" Like this next episode, and it's like, "Oh, like is it?" You know, but it's like, how am I supposed to judge? You know, but yeah. But I'm excited for you to watch those episodes. I think the one with zero. I think Quinlan Voss is in that one. Oh, okay. With Obi-Wan, and they're a good pairing, let me tell you. All right. Well, that's good. Oh, man. Oh, I'm excited. But yeah. I, I won't I won't go into those with like a sense of dread then. I hope not. I doubt it, though. I think the heroes on both sides, that one I think you'll really enjoy. But anyways... We have a top three this week. And if you have any top three recommendations, you can email us at cantobypod at gmail.com. This week's is from Jim. And he writes, Hi, Pod. Wanted to make a top three suggestion. One of my favorite parts of Star Wars is those super corny and cheesy lines. So I want to know what are your top three Star Wars lines from books, movies, or TV shows that make you smile when everyone else is groaning? Oh, so we were supposed to like these. Uh, oh, well. Yeah, there's supposed um, to be lines that you liked. Oh. Oh, eh, I'll change it last minute. Um, That's right, boys. Fett's here. Boba Fett from a certain point of view. Yes, this story is awful and terrible and this is the worst of the book, but the line is pure gold. Oh, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Then number two is I'm the backup pilot, so I'm in the back. Ezra Bridger, Star Wars Rebels, episode Jedi Knight. (sighs) My son and I cannot stop quoting this line. I don't know who wrote it, but that is my vote and who gets the next Star Wars trilogy. That's cute, though. I can't be mad at that. 
But uh, number three is, now this is pod racing. Oh, I love that one, too. Uh, Anakin and the Phantom Menace. I have no idea why I love this line. It makes no sense in the context of this movie. But God damn it, if I don't fist bump the air, I get excited every time I see it. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to change mine real quick because I was doing top three of the lines that I... <laughs> But then again, it's like, I don't like cheese. But then again, no, I'll change it real quick. But Emily, what are your top three corniest, cheesiest lines? Oh, man, I'm sorry, Jim, because I actually think this is a really, like, a cool topic. But I was trying to think of what, and I, I'm <laughs> having a really hard time because there's so much of the corniness. That I'm, I'm pretty much always the one cringing. I mean, we've talked about this. I'm the one who hates... The repeated use of I have a bad feeling about this. Like that shit drives me crazy. Um <laughs> I guess like sort of like the only thing I can sort of think of is basic is basically um I know so many people hate the Ewoks. And I I love anything and everything Ewok related. I mean, I kind of even love the Ewok adventure movies, and those are fucking god-awful. I've never but, seen them. Oh, don't. They're bad. <laughs> they don't. They're not start. They don't fit into continuity in any way that makes sense whatsoever. They're, like, they, I don't know, they're m much more, like, magic than they are sci-fi, and they're, and the kids in them are terrible, but Ewoks. But anyway, I guess, it, like, maybe the Celebration song I know a, people, a lot of people who think that's cheesy bullshit, and I love it, but no, like, I was I was going through, too. I was like, I'm going to look up, like, just lists of the most corny lines in Star Wars and see if I like any of them, and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Maybe I'm just, like, I don't know, mean-spirited. I mean... I feel the same way because like I I like my fair amounts of like okay that's cute but if it's like too much I'm like nope get the fuck out I'm gonna jump out my window right now because like the cringe like I just get cringe for some reason with like really cringe like really cheesy things but in Star Wars I mean like the only things I can think of about like really cheesy or like I would almost think that a lot of scenes with like Anakin and Padme like the one where it's like oh the kiss you shouldn't have given me but it's like I'm okay with that because I just think that Anakin is this like sh he thinks he's like this Shakespearean asshole or whatever he's, he's just trying to like that's just who he is like he doesn't know how to talk to a girl so he's like trying to express his feelings and he's like i don't know what to say so i'm going to be like ah you shouldn't have given me that kiss or uh, whatever lines that he says when they're by the fireplace and she's wearing that really tight weird dress that george lucas decided to create for some reason because he thought that oh i'm gonna create this dress and it's gonna look really nice on natalie portman and that's really creepy but yeah like i uh, I feel bad because I totally like misread this because I can't read and I'm awful. But um, maybe next week I'll try to find like lines that make me like happy instead of the ones that I'm like, fuck, cringe, cheese. Ah. If you're okay with that, Emily. Yeah, that's fine. But um, I'll just say, like, my three that are, like, cringe, 
cheese, ah. And like, I, I love the prequels, but like all of mine have to do from the prequels. Like my number three is when they're on Uthagunga and the the, the uh, Gungan's like, oh, Jaja, you saw a big doo-doo this time. It's like, uh, why? We could have just talked normal and been like, hey, you're in trouble, Jar Jar. And then in episode three, that's my number, my number two is in episode three when Anakin first, meet, first meets General Grievous and he's like, General Grievous, I thought you would be taller. Yeah. Ugh. You know, but one thing that I really respect about the Clone Wars is that they made it so that Anakin and Grievous never meet. Because in the in Revenge of the Sith, that was supposed to be when they met for the first time. Yeah. So I really like that. But my number one, <laughs> I'm cheating a little bit, but it's the whole fucking conversation on the balcony in episode three when Padme's combing oh, yeah. her hair and she's like, ah, oh, I want the baby back home on Naboo and I can sit there and I don't know, she says something and he's like, you're so beautiful. And she's like, it's only because I'm so in love. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's because I'm so in love with you. And she's like, so love has blinded you. It's like, no, it's no. We, we, I'm literally putting my hands over my face because it's so cringe. Like, I, this could have been done better. It's like, I get that they're these cheesy motherfuckers and they've seen each other for the first time in like months. But, like, uh, uh but I mean, I, I love, I, uh, but yeah, those are my top three cheese cringe party thank you jim for the email i always enjoy your emails i promise next time we'll redeem this <laughs> redeem this top three but anyways we have two emails and a voicemail fun 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 emily do you want to read um rebecca's yes we got one from our friend rebecca who is amazing and i love her yeah, I love Rebecca. Um, she says, Hi, pretty ladies. This may be an unimportant question, but do you think there will be porgs in episode nine? Do we know J.J. Abrams' opinion on porgs? I could see him hating them and not having a single one in the last installment of this trilogy, and I don't know how to f I feel about that. Forever yours, Rebecca. <clears throat> okay, well, first of all, Rebecca, no question about porgs is going to be unimportant. No, they're always important. I... I hope we get some porgs. Like, we don't need, like, a major porg scene. But if we are seeing, like, a bunch of scenes or even a couple of scenes, like, set on the Falcon, there better be some goddamn porgs. Because they built a nest on the Millennium Falcon. And I just want to see him, like, sort of, like, wandering around squawking in the background. Like, that would make me really happy. I swear to God, I will be so mad if JJ is just like, nope, no more porgs. They all left. They went back to Octo. Oh, because I have a feeling JJ would do something like that. But yeah, like Gerald is still with Chewie. Yeah, Gerald better be hanging out with Chewie. I don't even care if this is like five years later. They better be like friends. I will go into Star Wars. <laughs> if, I will go, go into Star Wars. I will go into Star Wars. Get Gerald and be like, God damn it, Gerald. You had one job. 
go hang out with Chewbacca. And then he would tell me that he had to sign this agreement with J.J. Abrams saying that he can't go back. And then I would go to J.J. Abrams in Star Wars because I dragged him in Star Wars too and be like, J.J., whatever your name is, or I don't know his actual like name other than J.J., I will be like, you put the porgs in this movie, so help me God. I... I like, he has to put porgs in here because, like, again, they live on the Falcon. Like, this is a serious fucking issue. Oh. Like, oh. why else do I have this porg collection, you know? Like, well, no, obviously, because, like, they're cute. But it's like, they have to be in the, like, they have to be in the next film. Oh, and it's it's Jeffrey Jacob Abrams, by the way. Jeffrey Jacob Abrams. I swear to God. If you're listening, put the porgs in the movie and no one will be harmed. No, I'm kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> Jeff, what, what was it? Jeffrey Joseph? Jacob. Jeffrey Jacob? I mean, okay. That's okay. Yeah, Jeffrey Jacob. Okay. Jeffrey Jacob Abrams. But yeah. I hope there's porgs. There needs to be porgs. Porgs make people happy. I know that because I turned a porg hater into a porg lover. Mm. I'm so proud of that. I think he might disagree with you on that. No. 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 Well, anyways... Rebecca, I love you. Thank you for the email. I hope you all had fun last week hanging out. Yeah, it was so cool to get to meet her finally. Oh, I know. I loved all the pictures you guys posted. It made me so happy seeing all you guys together. All right. And we have a voicemail from our friend Simon. And he does a podcast called Slicer's Hollownet, which I definitely recommend you, recommend you checking it out. And I will play his voicemail right now, if I can get it up. Uh, hello, Kinto by Dispatch. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, you were talking bad about Woody Holson, saying he looks uh, very French. That is okay. I mean, Tobias Piquet, he taught Han Solo everything that he did, and Lando Calrissian had to be smooth and romantic, as people think us Frenchmen do. And his little mustache, it is beautiful. Keep up the amazing job on Kento by Dispatch. It is a great podcast. Uh, we trust Woody Holson to do a performance that will be beautiful. Also, I agree with you. I would love if Lando says, uh, How you doing, Chewbacca? Keep up the great work, girls. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, I, don't, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that, so... <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Yeah, thank you. He does, because I, I think I remember I was the one that said that, that he looked French. But. Look, I mean, I still, I, I, I can't, the must, it's bad. Which is fine. 
I don't. I mean, I look. I fucking love Woody Harrelson. I'll watch him in anything. It's just I don't know. I find the hair floppy and weird. It's like a dog. <laughs> like he's like the human um, tramp from Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Well, anyways, um, we have our last um, email from our good friend Andy. And he says, hello, Canto family. Hello. Hope you're all doing well. If you could have any cast member of all the Star Wars movies do a one-hour interview, who would you pick? He says he would pick Hayden Christensen. Hmm. Emily? I, I mean... <laughs> I, I I feel like I know the answer, but no, you don't. Oh, I don't. No. Oh wow, who would you interview? All right, I know everybody thinks I'm going to pick Ben Mendelsohn. Here's the problem: I don't, I don't think I could like have a proper conversation with Ben Mendelsohn. But also, all right, I like I'm gonna. Go like okay, my the actor I would want to interview is dead, so obviously there's some problems with that. Mm. But if I could do like you know like you know like magical scenario when I can interview anybody involved with Star Wars, it would be um, Peter Cushing. Ah, uh. just because I mean not only do I really like Tarkin and I really like his performance as Tarkin, but I think Peter Cushing is just a really interesting guy who had like a really like large and like fascinating career um and talking about like some of the some of the sherlock Holmes movies or some of the the old horror movies that he did like all the old the old um hammer horror stuff i I would just love that and also if you see old clips of him he just seems like the coolest nicest dude in the world hmm that's cool. I've never seen any of his like other movies or anything. But he seems like a cool or he seemed like a awesome person. I knew you were going to either pick him or I was trying to think of who else that you would have picked. I don't know. But yeah, like I mean, look, if I were picking who I want to hang out in a bar with, it's going to be Mendo because he's the coolest dude of all time. But like actually sitting down and interviewing and Cushing. So how about you? Um, well, uh, first off, I almost would want to interview someone who like is really into Star Wars too. Like who is in the movie, obviously. And someone like, you know, not Mark because it's like I love Mark and everything. But I just feel like Mark has already... You know, he already talks about it. You know, not that it's a bad thing, but I feel like he, like, I, I feel like I already know everything, which, like, that's not a bad yeah. thing, too. But um, I almost would want to interview Kelly Marie Tran. Oh, okay. Because, like, she's so, she's new in this, too. And she's just, like, really big on her character and everything. And I would have loved to see, like, from the perspective of someone, like, new on these films, you know, like, the interviewing process. Like, I really want to know about that. 
Because what I found out what she had to do to get this role is like really fascinates me that she had to, you know, delete all of her social media accounts and basically go silent for like two years almost, you know, like I I know that's normal, but still like for people that knew her and like, and they probably felt like, what the fuck? Like, Kelly, where'd you go? And like, probably only her family. Well, I don't even know, like, if they even like. Some people, like, don't even tell their family. Like, I don't think Adam Driver, like, told his wife that he was in Star Wars, like, until I think J.J. Abrams one day was like, oh, yeah, you know, your husband, he's doing really good on Star Wars. And she's like, wait, what the fuck? (laughs) But probably her. I'm trying to think of anyone else I'd really want to interview. I mean, Daisy, because she's lovely. And... I just feel like I would have such a great time talking to her because I know that she curses like a sailor too. And like, I loved her um, 100 questions with Vogue or how many questions that she answered. That was great. Um, Yeah, probably someone like still in it because it's like I I don't know if I would have wanted to interview someone who was like either like not really into the franchise. It's like, yeah, it's just a movie, whatever. Or someone who did it like 15, 20 years ago. And it's like they couldn't re- forget stuff or remember stuff. But it's like not anything like mind blowing. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Kelly Marie Tran was just in um, that uh, bar where we have Steel, where Steel has its shows. And she was just there yeah, like yeah like she she was at scum of villainy just like hanging out you know taking pictures with cosplayers and, like they didn't even know that it was her <laughs> oh my god that's so funny <laughs> oh man i love her she's adorable oh she's she's just a delight i know i would want to hang out with her and the fact that she's she was able to remain amazing and delightful considering all like the shitty racist horrible people out there like i mean that's that's pretty amazing definitely i agree she's just like a ray of sunshine still guy i can't even imagine like what she like went through like during all that but like or like how much it probably affected her but the fact that she's still like seems so positive and optimistic and she just seems like the happiest person yeah i i really dig her yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Andy, for the email. Very appreciate it. And yeah, that was episode thirty. Yeah. So, um, like you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously, keep an eye out for Steel posting up the Mendo interview because it's going to be amazing. Um. I also just I just want to talk to Steele and get like the entire story, like everything from beginning to end. <laughs> but I'll harass him about that next time I talk to him. I know I'm um, I'm sad because yeah. oh, I know it's sad because I think he's changing his call-in show days to like Monday nights, and I'm like, oh, I'm in school that time. But I mean, like, I can always like sneak in a quick call or something. But. <laughs> Honestly, like those calls are worth like because I think like I have a classic. It's not like at six forty. I'm willing to be like, oh, I have a quick phone call. I need to answer. <laughs> like, I'm willing to do that, which is excellent. But yeah, <sighs> well, I'm excited for Mendo. I'm excited for uh, the monthly Mendo movie. 
Yeah, we'll have more news on that next week. Excellent. Huh, where? Well, Emily, where can everyone find you on social media? Um, I'm on um, Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. That's at E-F-L-I-N-D. You can follow me there. Um, and the podcast is also on both as Canto Bite Pod. And if you want to email the show, it's cantobitepod at gmail.com. You send us emails, send us top three suggestions, send us whatever. And you are on Twitter and Instagram where? Um, I'm on Twitter as Canto Brit and Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. And holy shit, I actually posted for the first time in months. And I'm planning to try to post more often. And I think I might change my username because I feel like Brittany the Ginger, that's like a, that's like a username I've had since like high school. And as my good friend Kaloren says, let the past die. And I feel like I should transition to Canto Brit. So one, people can find me easily or easier in two because I am more than Brittany the Ginger. I am Canto Brit. There we go. Um, if you are on iTunes, please rate and review us there. It really helps us out. Um, you can also follow us on SoundCloud and you can, you know, say nice things about us there. And other than that, if you can't do either of those, like if you retweet episode announcements on Twitter or just tell somebody that you like the show, we will be very grateful. Yeah. Love all you guys who retweet and rate us and everything and who even like like her posts on Instagram on um Instagram or any of our social medias. Like it's honestly wonderful and it means a lot. Huh. Well, I hope you all have a good week, day, year, hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, this is two hours. <laughs> And <laughs> we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.